Hey there, MSPs and IT pros. Welcome to the Rocket MSP podcast, where we ask the tough questions. Today, my guest is Darren Strong from Scalable MSP. Scalable MSP helps MSPs unlock efficiency, profitability, and time using the ConnectWise ecosystem. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about uh, setting goals for 2024. So there's not going to be a product demo. There's not going to be too many tough questions because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to find the gotchas here. We're just trying to help you MSPs. Without further ado, let's bring on my guest. Hi there, Darren. Hi, Steve. Hey. Great to be here. I'm glad to have you here, man. You sent over some topics that you wanted to discuss. And I got to say, I was really impressed with the list. I want to talk about all of them, to be honest. So I'm going to have to bring you back. But um, the topic that I chose for us to talk about today is kicking the year off right, setting your team up for success. And the little tagline that you had with that is, how do you plan, communicate, and execute your 12-month business strategy and growth plans across the whole team? So I want to dive into that today because now's the perfect time to talk about goals and business strategies and everything because it's the middle of October as we're recording this, and now is just the perfect time to be setting up 2024 to be awesome. So thank you for offering to do this today, man. Yeah, it's great. If you don't set your business up right and communicate that, how are you going to get them when you don't set off on holiday and not know where you're going? Yeah. So before, before we start to dive in, let's do a little credibility, if you will. Why don't you tell MSPs your background? So that way yeah. we know why you are the authority in this topic. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Started off at corporate IT as a technical person, like most of us do. Then went through multiple MSPs, the one I was with the most 15 years. And then about 12 years ago, found the peer group. So peer group called HTG, that's now called Evolve. And that's where we did a lot of learning. And actually the business wasn't in a great place at the time. So we really dragged that business to a different place, a lot more maturity, but that was a tough time, but also where I did a lot of learning. Then through the peer group, I then became a facilitator and now run a consultancy business. So we're trying to build the consultancy business that's not just a one, two-man band consultancy business. So we see about 50 MSPs a quarter, seeing all the financial information, the good, the bad, the ugly. So we see a lot of what's going on, right and, and wrong, and, and that's what we're trying to bring to our partners. And, and did you say 50, five, zero MSPs every quarter? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a number of MSPs that we partner with, and then we've also got the peer groups. So we yeah. see a lot of data, a lot of information, a lot of pain and, and good bits. That's fantastic. That I, I love when somebody's able to give me facts. Yeah. We talk with 50 MSPs every quarter, and this is why we're an expert in XYZ. It's not often that somebody's able to come and say, yeah, we've got 475 clients. Like they just say, oh yeah, we work with hundreds of people. Like 200 is hundreds. I don't know. 24 is dozens. <laughs> yeah. It comes back down to uh, one of my main strategies, which is stop reinventing the wheel. We all do it as MSP owners. We reinvent the wheel every six months. We all change the service test every six months. We all think we know the best way of doing it. But actually, mm -hmm. the blueprints are there. So let's do as we're told. So let's look at actually the base. Let's look at what the data tells us and let's look at what the vendors tell us. And then let's just do as we're told. That's the main thing. I like that. So I've got 
a bunch of questions that I put together to to help us unravel this thing. So let's start with let's start with the actual strategy part. So what's your process for developing your 12-month business strategy and setting growth targets? It all starts with what do you want out of this? So actually, as a lot of not just MSP, but actually business owners, typically we don't actually think about what's this going to look like when this chapter ends. So actually, what do we want out of this? What do we want to be remembered by? What's the financial figure going to look like? Maybe if we're retiring or we're moving on to the next thing, but what is that end goal? Then that's the tree. That's then where we need to work backwards. And actually, our brain works backwards far better than it does forward. So if we then put ourselves in that position and think, actually, how did we get there? So what were the milestones we went through to get to that figure? That then will come down to that three-year, then to a 12-month plan. That 12-month plan is then what we would call a value creation plan. So how are we going to achieve that 12-month plan? But that's not just, oh, I'm going to think of a figure or someone told me this figure that I want my business to be. It's then actually built on data. Here's where I want to be and here's how I got there. Uh, Now we've got factual data that we then need to break down into what are the key services we deliver to our customers, including ad hoc projects and technical services. Uh, And we then know how many endpoints, how many users, how many clients we need to achieve that figure. Then we break that down into a monthly figure and work out what, how are we going to achieve that? When do you typically start planning your strategy and goals for next year? That's a great question. So typically what we see, people plan them in February when they started on the 1st of January. So they tend to come out the gate too late. Then they tend to rush it. Then you tend to be Q2 before you've even communicated what Q1 should have looked like. And then that's where then you become uh, behind the times. So really, we should be starting now. Really, should be starting in Fremont. If you've got a calendar year end, a lot of people in the UK, for instance, do a March to April. So then that would be a, a January time. So I would suggest around a three months before the actual kickoff date. All right. And how do you communicate the strategy and goals across the entire organization once you've got them set? Well, I think a great strategy is to actually include key people and leadership team into building that strategy. Now you've got buy-in into actually how we're going to do this. It's not just you've come up with it in your bedroom. You've now got multiple people on your team that's going to be bought into this. They've then got a sense of they want to achieve it because they've helped to, to build that. So that's number one. Then we want to communicate that within maybe a, a company meeting and departmental meetings, and especially a sales kickoff meeting. We want to set the scene up correctly and put it in their language so they know what good looks like for their department. And then more importantly, them as an individual. All right. Now, you you talked about getting some key people in place. Uh, typically, I've seen where uh, businesses will will use like their their leadership team as those key people. For MSPs that are smaller, maybe they don't have a, a leadership team per se. But you've got people that are stepping up into leadership roles, maybe right. Yeah, you've got the people that are clearly more invested into the success of the MSP for whatever reason. What like mechanisms do you have in place to cascade the strategy down through the different levels of leadership and down to the, I'll call the minions, the, the, maybe the L1 staff. So that way everyone's on board. The people that's actually going to make it come true. 
for the people that are actually the engine. So yeah, I would say, again, like you just said, it depends on the size of the business. But ultimately, what we want is perspective. We want perspective of what it means to those departments. So you might be thinking of building some services, doing some new, new things that are going to kick off the new year, bring new MRR into the business. But actually, you want, for instance, people in finance, because not only will they bring what does that mean to finance, but they've also got a different analytic brain to the people that are in the maybe in the technical seat. So you want that perspective in the room to make sure that we've covered all the bases, we understand where we're going, and we've got different ideas. Then that's going to equal success across the business. Then depending on the size of the MSP and who you've got in the MSP, ultimately we need good communicators and we need good people that are going to rally the army, rally the engine together. So that may be just yourself, depending on the size of the MSP, or it might be the leadership team. So I think it all depends on what do you have in the business and, and using that to their highest and best use. What people have you got that's going to really rally around it and get everybody else going? And you may even pick person that's actually going to be the most difficult. The person that's going to have all the questions and the reasons why it's going to fail, get them on the team, get them invested in it, then they're no longer a problem. Now, how do you ensure understanding and buy-in on the strategy that you've put together? So I think that ultimately comes back to what's in it for me. What's the why and what's in it for me? So you've got to explain the real why are we doing this and then what's in it for them. So what's in it them could be that you're forecasting to double the size of their department, which then could mean that they've got opportunities to move into different roles. It could be that you're just going to add maybe incentives, maybe even just taking them out for a quarterly meal off some of the the profit that you're going to create. But you've got to be very clear about what's in it for them. And then how are we going to achieve that is even clearer as well. So what are the steps we're going to do together to equal success and set them up for success? Now, how do you involve your team members in the planning process? What role do you allow them to play in shaping the strategy and goals? So I ultimately really like it when it comes out of their mouth. Really, you don't want to be the orchestrator. You want them to come up with the ideas, even if them are the same ideas as yours. And they may be slightly different ideas as well, but ultimately you want the team to come up with the ideas to be behind it. But sometimes, depending on the maturity of that team, you may start this exercise even earlier. You may have to communicate financial structure of a business. You may have to communicate what revenue, what profit, what net profit, what gross margin, all those different things mean so they can have the right contribution into that room. So it all depends on what the level is in that room and, and how you're going to set that up for success. And how do you set up some key performance indicators and metrics? And, and I guess what KPIs and metrics do you use to track the process toward your growth targets? So ultimately, in most MSPs, you're going to be looking for MRR. So you want mm -hmm. that key MRR to be growing we use a rule of 78. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So basically you come up yeah. with the, the yearly figure. So the yearly figure might be $2. Uh, you then divide that by 78. That then gives you the one monthly MRR figure that you need to start with. So in January, let's just say that is 250000 sorry, $2,500 in January. You sell that, you then start February with $2,500. You then sell another $2,500, which means in March you start with $5,000. You add another $2,500 and you continue on that cycle. If you put that into an Excel sheet, 
each Excel area that's got 2,500 in totals up to 78 cells. So if you do that as an MRR figure, you'll then achieve that yearly figure. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I'm typing that in because I want to remember that. The rule of 78, and I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit. It's a method used by some lenders to calculate interest charges on a loan. Uh, it requires the borrower to pay a greater portion of interest in the earlier part of a loan cycle, which decreases the potential savings for the borrower and off their loan. So that's a really cool way to use that rule as a way for you to figure out how do I start selling MSP services to equal this number at the end of the year by my goal? What do I need to do to accomplish that? That's yeah, really and, cool. And that. typically what I see is owners come up with a figure of £200,000 MRR, but they don't really know how they're going to achieve that. So what we need to do is break that down into a monthly figure, and then we need to break that down into what are our core services and what are our percentages of cross-selling or core services into new customers. Then we need to target the sales team to achieve that MRR. Off the back of that MRR, we typically also get 20 to 25%, if not more, of project work because we're taking on infrastructures that need work and maturity. So we can build that into the calculator. So now we've got what is our adult project revenue off the back of the MRR, maybe even some onboarding revenue. Now we can work out how we're going to get to that yearly figure. Now, that, that yearly figure, you pulled a number out of thin air, and I want to say it was like 210. Was that saying you want $210,000 of monthly recurring revenue by the end of the year. You want to have printed money into your bank by the 31st of December. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood how the math was working because yeah. I didn't sit here and actually calculate it. <laughs> yeah. If it would help, I, I can show an actual spreadsheet with that on as a calculator and you can show that with the podcast if that would help. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. All right. So are there any other metrics or KPIs that an MSP should be measuring as far as part of their growth planning? And I guess I want to preface this and say, obviously some of these metrics aren't directly related to growth, but a lot of times MSPs will set up like SLA metrics, right? And while an SLA isn't directly related to growth, it could be related to churn which will affect your growth on the back Correct. end. Because yes. if your SLAs yep. suck, then you're going to lose you're going to lose clients and now you've got to work twice as hard or three times yeah. as hard. Yeah, definitely. When you look at the the cost of acquisition for a new customer, you don't want to be a sieve. You don't want to be adding new customers and six months later losing those new customers. That's the first six months of service for a new customer is actually a lot higher cost than return. That's why we lock people into three-year deals, for instance. So we don't want to be losing customers as fast as we're gaining them. So definitely any sort of metrics around customer service and customer satisfaction. So things like CSAT, SLAs, net promoter scores, those are really good uh, KPIs to be monitoring. They are leading KPIs. We've got leading KPIs and we've got lagging KPIs. What we want is those that are going to tell us that there's, there's turning to be a problem. And then we want some lagging KPIs, which may be, how much MRR revenue did we sell last month and last quarter? Because if we're not hitting that $2,500 in the first month, now we need to recalculate our rule of 78 because we've just lost a month. So we need to recalculate that every quarter 
and re-communicate that to the sales team because if they're not hitting that figure, then the target is going to go up to equal the same end goal. Uh, and I think the other thing that is a real key one that I see is actually cross-selling. So looking at your services and how do they match your client base? So quite typically, we will find that account managers will say, yeah, those 20 customers can't buy that service and those other 20 customers won't buy this service or won't buy those 10 services. So there we've got to look at actually, have we got the wrong audience or have we got the wrong service? Because we want to make sure we've got 80 to 90% worth of penetration across all our services, across all of our customers. Because at the end of the day, an existing customer and existing service is the easiest sell. Going after new customers is an expensive sell. Yes, it is. Now, how do you maintain flexibility in your strategy to adapt to changing market conditions throughout the year? Yeah, definitely. So this is keeping our eye on the figures, isn't it? Typically, we're not keeping our eye on the figures, whether, whether that be sales, whether that be invoicing, uh, project churn. We need to be keeping our eye on that and we need to keep our eye on the market to make sure that we're, if we're saying we're getting 51% gross margin out of a service, which is best practice, then if we're getting 20%, we need to evaluate that. We need to understand, are we installing it correctly? Are we trained correctly? Have we got the right processes? Are we, are we delivering service correctly? Or have we just got the wrong engine? We need to ensure that we're set up for success. If we say we're going to get X percentage of gross margin and X percentage of penetration across our customer base, then we need to be monitoring that for its success. And if we're not getting it, we need to pull levers to make sure that we're setting that back up for success so we do get it. Now, what challenges have you faced in the past when executing your strategy across the organization? I would say communication is the biggest, by far, the hardest thing to do. Communicating your strategy, communicating change, and, and then execution. Those are the three things we, we, we help our partners with. It's communication, execution, and time. In, in an MSP, those three things, we've got very little time. We don't sit there thinking, oh, we've got four hours spur today. Let's go and do some research or let's go and look at some data. And then execution is typically poor because we don't have enough time and we're too involved in the business as usual or we're too involved with firefighting. Uh, and then communication always falls down. Now, how do you motivate and incentivize your team to drive performance towards these strategic goals? That's a great question. And I think typically people turn to dollars. How, how are we going to increase their money? How are we going to turn it into dollars and pounds? And actually, lots of statistics say that you've got to set somebody up for success and then demonstrate that they are successful and people get great pride about being successful and being part of a team. So I think personally, a great success is building, for instance, individual dashboards that shows them what does success look like. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, they can check that to make sure they're on track and they feel like they're bringing value to the business and they're successful in their, in their business life. That is way more. And little vouchers here and there and little taps on backs actually come greater than increasing their salary. Now, what kind of processes do you have to identify risks or obstacles to achieving this strategy? I think that comes to monthly figures. Typically, you need to be doing your monthly management reporting. And again, because you've not got time or you're not very clear and mature, then that reporting is something that fails. For instance, I quite like service leadership. So service leadership got a benchmarking tool, financial benchmarking tool. The way that they lay out uh, gross, their, their GL of accounts, 
means you can really have your finger on your pulse to make sure that you've got the right data to make the right decisions. Now, how do you balance pushing for strategic goals while maintaining employee morale and engagement? Yeah, this comes down to the people, doesn't it? I mm-hmm. think even more so in an MSP, I may be biased because I've lived in this world a long time, but I think it's all about the people. If you get the right people on the bus and you demonstrate the why, what's in it for them, then we're all good. If we've not got people in the highest and best use and they're in the right seats, then the bus starts to go off direction. So you've got to be really close to your people. As a an owner and a leader in the business, you should be spending 90% of your time with your people, coaching, mentoring, answering their questions, making sure they're demonstrating what they should be doing in the business and making sure everyone's on that buzz and going the right way. And then unfortunately, making the right decisions when you need to make them, making those hard decisions if things aren't right. But first of all, what I've learned is when things aren't right, I like to seek to understand first, don't jump in and take people down disciplinary routes or think about how you're going to get rid of them. If you've had an engineer for 10 years and he's been solid and then for six months, he's not really there. Typically there's a problem either in their personal life, for instance, and actually seeking to understand how you can help them in that journey. That is what's going to buy you the loyalty in the long run. Now, how does your culture enable successful execution of the strategy? How do you foster that culture? Yeah, I think that's all about your value creation again, isn't it? It's repeating where do you want to be? What's the business about? Why are we here? Those values and what are you aiming for? Uh, again, I think as owners, we, we don't repeat that enough. Uh, and especially when we're answering decision questions, we should be answering those decision questions against our values. So I'm answering this question in this way because of this value when really demonstrating that to the team. And then what you're doing then is you're nurturing those next leaders to do exactly the same as what you've just done to the rest of your team. So then that really goes down deeper into the team. And that's something that I think you've got to really practice and get yourself to do more and more. And the more you do that, the more success you'll have. What advice would you give to another leader about communicating strategy and maintaining alignment across the entire organization? What I see a lot is consistency, lack of consistency. So as owners, we change our mind far too quickly and far too easily. So we're forever communicating a different slant on the thing that we communicated last month. So my advice would be that set the direction and then keep consistent on it. Don't keep changing around, even with the specific words that you use. Repeat those specific words in the same way consistently across the business. How do you capture best practices and lessons learned throughout the year to enhance strategy planning for the future? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I use OneNote personally. Uh, Everything that goes on, good or bad, gets put into OneNote. And we also have quarterly meetings. So quarterly meetings have been key for me in my MSP journey. That helps you to keep people on the same uh, buzz, on the same direction. You're capturing their feedback, the good, the bad. And you're also communicating over and over again where you're going what's good, what's bad, what do we need to improve? You're only going to achieve that journey if everybody's going in the same direction. Uh, And capturing that as you go is key. And I think if you're communicating that quarterly and and yearly in meetings, then that gets you in that rhythm of capturing that data as you go. How do you celebrate wins and milestones with your team throughout the year? Yeah, in my MSP journey, but also in, in the consulting journey, I think even the tap on the shoulder goes a long way. 
we purposely do quarterly events. So we have a, a strategy where when we get feedback from our partners, one pound goes in a pot for good and two pound comes out for bad. And then that pot is used for events. For instance, we're going on an event tomorrow, actually, with, with the team, and that's paid out of that pot of money. Fostering that almost like gaming mentality around how we want to nurture that positive feedback and then using that in the team to confirm what we're doing. But at the same time, you're building teams by taking everybody out and everybody enjoying a certain event together. Uh, and that event is chosen by the team as well. So we put three or four different ideas into a, into a hat and everybody chooses what they want to do. Oh, I love that. So I want to unpack this for a moment. So sign up for a platform like Simple Sad or yep. Crew Who. It really doesn't matter which one, right? As long as you've got the ability for customers to give you that CSAT, customer satisfaction rate. Correct. And every time they give you a positive rating, thumbs up, did a good job, then you put a dollar into a, a slush fund or an activity fund, whatever you want to call it. Every time you get a thumbs down or a negative review, you take $2 out. And then every quarter, you get some ideas from the team of what they want to do. You pick the three or four most popular ideas. Hopefully, a few people had the same idea. That way, it's easier to find some popular ones. Yep. Nobody gets uh, upset. Yeah. And then you just randomly pick something from a hat. And there you yep. go. There's you. Now, and another way you could unpack it oh, a little bit. However, what we also do is put a pound into a charity. So for every positive, Ooh. we put a pound into a charity and a pound into the slush fund. And for every negative, another pound goes into the charity, but two pounds comes out of the slush fund. So for every- And that's fantastic it, because- Not into a charity. And that's fantastic because now you're able to say, hey, Mr. Client, I, I would love for you to leave us every time we close a ticket for you. And to incentivize you to do, we're going to give uh, a dollar to- to a charity. Here's the charity we've chosen for this year. So every month or quarter or whatever, we'll donate a dollar for every time we get a review on one of these tickets. That's yeah. And what, yeah, and what we do is we every quarter we put that message on the actual CSAT request, so the mm -hmm. closed ticket or whatever it may be. That goes on there to say last quarter the charity was X and we delivered X amount of money to that charity. This is where your you know, feedback is going and this is how valuable it is to us as a team. Oh, I, I love that. I, I've got a peer group meeting in an hour and I am going to totally talk about this because this is cool. <laughs> this is genius. That, that, that's your best practice example straight there. Oh man. Now, another thing I wanted to say, just to piggyback off of that, you could ask at the end of the year, maybe at the Christmas party, for everyone to write down ideas of what they want to do for their quarterly events. And you could just have the Christmas party be the time where you gather all that. And then now you just pick the three or four best ones and you just do three of them or four of them or whatever. And you yeah. don't even have to like, you don't even have to make a big production of gathering them every quarter. You just do it once a year and you just do some. Yeah. The whole principle of it is getting the team behind what is does, what does success look like for you? And that's a great success metric around keeping clients and making sure you're delivering the right service. So it's getting them behind that. And some people like the gamified, some people like the events, uh, but it's playing to everybody's needs and strengths and the whole team gets behind it. 
what lessons have you learned over your career about driving company-wide execution of a strategic vision? Clear communication, by far. Clear communication in the language, I must say as well. So we follow Larry Little. Don't know if you've seen Larry Little with the four animals. So you've got a lion, uh, a monkey, a lion, monkey, camel, uh, and a turtle. So that basically says who you want to be communicated to. So if you're a lion, you want very simple bullet points to the point. If you're a turtle, you want a full essay, for instance. So communicating how your audience wants to hear it across your whole team and leading them that way will drive success. Now, is this the one that's got the mouse, the lion, the fox, and the turtle? No. So this is uh, Larry Little from over in the US. He's got a- Can you spell that? Larry is L-A-O-Y and then Little. L-I-T-L-E. Okay. Uh, make I, make I, a difference is the book. Make a difference. Make a difference. Yeah. So you've got a lion, you've got a camel, you've got a monkey, and you've got a turtle. And each animal wants to be communicated to in a different way. So exactly like you would see him in a picture, a lion is very out there, very bigly spoken, will be the loudest person in the room, but wants to just achieve goals, move on, not celebrate. Very little information, doesn't need to know the process. Let's just get on with it. Camels very much about the process. Uh, they're very much about the task and the orientation, not the people. The monkey is all about the person. They're all about the people. They're jumping around. They're excited. They're the first person to the dance floor. Uh, they want loads of ambiguity. They're excited by that. Then you've got a turtle that is very quiet, very methodical, wants to know the whole process, but actually, I want to know three months ahead of time when you even want to talk to me. I want very soft spoken. If you come bouncing around like a lion, I'm just going to go into my turtle in my turtle cage. I'm just going to my shell, and you're not going to get anything from me. So communicating to those different people across the business, typically, I don't want to put people in pigeonholes, but typically you'll find that camels are service desk, mm. lions are salespeople, bulls are uh, admin people, and professional services and project people are the monkeys. So when you're communicating to those as leaders of the, of the business, you need to be able to communicate in all those different ways. Otherwise, you're not going to get the best out of people. If you go marching into the room, shouting at all your finance people because you're upset over the finances or upset over an invoice, they're all turtles. They're just going to go in the shell and they're going to hear nothing from you the whole of that conversation. So it's all about communicating in the right way. I think that's how you get great execution. I can't agree with you more. Darren, I really appreciate you coming on here today and sharing some of your wisdom that you've gained over the years. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's been great to be here and great to share. I'm a big go-giver and a big sharer. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, anytime you want to come back and share with us, please, you or, or Sierra, reach out and, and we'll make it happen, man. For those of you still listening, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you guys at the next episode.